0: Hey guys, you're listening to The Enough Podcast.
1: I'm Jennifer, a wife, mama of four, and author. I love having one-on-one conversations with women, talking about our identity in Christ. But most of all, I am completely in love with Jesus. And I'm Courtney,
0: a wife, a mom, and a West Texas woman with a passionate love for Jesus.
1: We declare we've had enough. And discuss how we
0: are enough. Hey guys, welcome back to the Enough Podcast. And this week, Jen and I are in a mood. We have had enough of the waves. And what we mean by that is 2020 has just been a year. It has been a year for every single human on this planet. And it seems like one after another is a giant wave crashing into us. And there's, you know, it's... It can be hard to weather those storms for me personally with my RA diagnosis. And for me with my cancer diagnosis and now chemo treatments. Not to mention, you know, this tiny little thing called, you know, COVID. (laughs) And then the big upheaval and unrest in American society around racial issues. It's just been one storm after the next. Each one seeming fiercer than the last. And we have just really had a lot on our hearts about how to walk through these waves. And it's just been really heavy on our hearts that as followers of Jesus and as lovers of Christ, we need to fight even harder now to keep our eyes focused on Him as we walk through these times. You know, if we can keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we won't sink beneath these waves. Mm -hmm. And we will literally be able to do the impossible if we keep our eyes fixed on Him. Mm -hmm. We will literally be able to walk on water.
1: Like you were telling me before, Courtney, that when the foundation is firm, those waves, you can't hit down too far when you're crashing down. So yeah, you
0: won't be washed away if you're built on a firm foundation. But if your foundation is on sand, mm-hmm. bye-bye house. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many good analogies in the Bible about storms and water <laughs> and waves, and those just seem to really, really fit well. Guys, I have the absolute pleasure of knowing Jen in real life. She's amazing. And the way that she is walking through something incredibly hard is just amazing and inspiring. I, we, we all go through life riding out the waves and the storms. You'll be at a high, then you'll go to a low, and then you'll go back up to a high. When I hit a low, my instinct is to believe that my life is over <laughs> That all is lost, that I'm sinking and I'm done. And I just kind of wallow in self-pity. Watching Jen, her knee-jerk reaction when she hits the trough of the wave, when she's at the lowest of the low, she just kind of goes, Oh, I'm in a low. Where's Jesus? I'm gonna look for Jesus. And that like that's just what she does. And it's amazing. So Jen, I would love to know your game plan for how you are walking through this
1: and, and doing that. Is it as easy to make it look? <laughs> well, you know, I, I really have felt like I have not done that well the last couple of weeks specifically. You know, when I first found out that I had cancer, I really felt like God was holding me and I knew I was living in His strength. Um, I knew He was carrying me through this. And then, you know, as things have progressed, you know, I finished with my surgery and things were healing well. And then I got the blow that now I have to start chemo. It was such a shock to me. Yeah, because you really thought that because of the type of of (laughs) cancer
0: that you had, they kind of told you that you're only, you would only need to do
1: surgery and then Mm -hmm. hormone therapy and that would be it. Yeah, and. I mean, I knew that one more test was out there, that chemo was still a possibility, but my mind was so set that I was finished and it shouldn't have been like, that was really, you know, lying to myself, but you know, that, that hit me so hard that it really was, it really shook me. Um, and it has been a a long process just trying to sort through being okay with this. Um, you know, I last night I was just really, I was frustrated because um, after chemo treatments, I I had started my my um, first chemo treatment this past week, and I and had you a were all keyed up. I you was were so like,
0: ready, up. You were like, I've worked through all of the pain of having to do chemo. I Let's did. do chemo. Let's yeah. do this. You're even like donating your hair care products to your friends. Thank you, by the way. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, a sweet friend had given me some little caps that were going to be for after I lose my hair. Um, And so it it was kind of like a, I could see myself now without hair. And it was a little bit easier to handle because I don't know. And I know that losing your hair is not the worst thing ever. I understand it will grow back. It's also not the easiest thing ever. I mean, dang. It is not. And, you know, I know that there's cold capping. I know there's so many things out there. But you know, just the journey that God has me on, I just felt like I need to give this up. I need to. You're walking uh, in surrender. I'm trying to. <laughs>
0: So for you personally, as your personal choice, it was to opt out of the cold capping because you want to walk in surrender. Just because somebody gets
1: cold capping doesn't mean they're not walking in surrender, but this exactly. is just what God laid on your heart. This is a journey that I know God has me specifically on, and I feel like I need to feel this. Um, I need to know the complete loss, as hard as this is, to completely surrender all of it and to know that my identity has nothing to do with how I look. That when I look in the mirror and I look in my eyes, that I see Jesus' face. Um and I don't see my curly hair that I've grown to really love and that's growing really healthy. Um and I'm I'm thankful that God has given me this year to learn it and to to take care of it. Um, but at the same time I've I feel like I also need to now let it go and just say, okay, God, it's all yours. You get to, you get to have full control. Um, So when you walked into your first chemo treatment, you were like ready. I was ready to go. And, you know, a few days prior to that, I was laying in bed and I was very, very scared. Um, my husband has struggled with this and didn't know if he would be able to let, to watch the chemo go through my body. Um, and he finally told me, he's like, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, he, in, in essence, he kind of wanted to be like Peter. He heard before that Peter had kissed the cross before he was crucified. And he was like, you know what, this is our cross that we now have to carry and he's carrying this with me. He's, he's right there with me doing this as well. And in, in essence, not obviously kissing it, but I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds really weird. <laughs> but I, I know he thought of that. But he was going to embrace it and he was going to yeah. say, Okay, Lord, this is what you have for us now. We will accept this. And um I was laying in bed one night. Um my pastor had just come to visit me and pray over me. And he said, you know, Jen, he's he said, You've Jesus has already been to the door and he's come back and he's with you now. He's going to be with you then. And it, it was with that in my mind that I'm sitting here like, you know what? God is already flowing through my veins. He is already coursing through me. He lives inside of me. He's coursing through my veins. He's already gone there before the chemo. And so it was with that understanding that I went in on Monday and started my first chemo treatment. Um, and two minutes in... Um, They'd barely gotten anything inside of me and I severely reacted to it. Um, I felt a lot of pressure in my chest, felt like I was choking um, and blacked out for a while. My face swelled up, my lips swelled up really big and it was very scary. I, I didn't. I guess as much as my husband saw, they had an EpiPen close by. They had all the doctors rushing in. It's one um, thing to go through it yourself. It's another to watch someone you love go yeah. through it.
0: And, and they they measured your reaction. Like they have a scale for how severe they measured the
1: reactions to be. Yeah. And yours, where did yours land on that scale? Very dramatic end. It was, they told me, they said with is, as much as they had gotten in me, which was very little, and as fast as I reacted, there was no way they were gonna try again. Um, so that was heart- disheartening to me because I'm sitting here like, but wait, I'm, I'm ready. Like I was almost like begging yeah. them, I'm like, just try again. Cause I, I'd already heard of other ladies' stories that they had the same reaction. They pumped more steroids, more Benadryl in them, and then they tried again and it was fine. So I'm yeah. sitting here thinking, well, surely we can try this again. And my oncologist said, no, you don't understand. Like you are on the very dramatic end of this reaction. I am absolutely not trying this again today. And that was so frustrating because it's like, I've been through all of this and I have to go home with, like, I was prepared to be sick. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. You (laughs) you had all the nausea medicine. You had the, the good soup in your fridge. Like you were ready. I was ready. (laughs) You had
1: prepared for post-chemo life. And yes, I had. And then chemo didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. And then not only that, but then the next day, um, I was kind of reacting continuously after my steroids that I was supposed to continue taking. And then I ended up in the ER the next night. And because I was having trouble breathing again, um, not as severely as the first, but it was still enough where you don't know how how far to take it, you know, before you go to ER, we live an hour away. So it's like, you don't want to play around with not being able to breathe. Right. You so you have to make that decision way further in advance than most people who live closer
0: to an ER. Yes.
1: Yes. So we headed to the ER. They were kept telling me over and over again. Yes. I'm glad you came in. Um, and they pumped more Benadryl inside of me. And um, it, at that point I was just done. I was like, God, I don't, I don't understand this. I was ready. I was willing. I was I was surrendered. And, you know, isn't that just like us? Sometimes we think that we got it all right. We think that, you know, because we got all the answers because we said, okay, Lord, I'm 100% willing. We think that everything's going to go smoothly. We think it's all going to go fine exactly the way that we wanted it to go. And that's just not true. Um, And that's where I've been struggling the last few days.
0: Yeah, it's you get I get in this mindset all the time that if I just pray the right prayers, do the right things and my heart is in the right place that mm-hmm. there is never ever going to be another wave that crashes into me. Yes, exactly. And that's not true. That's mm-hmm. that's not how the world works. And unfortunately, when I'm walking in that mindset I am set up to be knocked on my backside, and then I'm angry at God, and Mm -hmm. that is wrong. And (laughs) whoops, like I shouldn't be angry at God, but I'm. I get frustrated, and He's Mm -hmm. big enough to handle my frustration and my anger. He's my heavenly Father, right? But at that point, I've set my own self up to be wildly disappointed because, inadvertently, I have thought that in my own power. I was able to avoid hardship, meaning mm-hmm. that if I just prayed the right prayers and did the right things and my heart was in the right place, all these things that I could do mm-hmm. would help me avoid hardship. And I, I truly believe that God does not wish a life for Christians that is completely hardship-free. If, if you're reading the Bible and, and following the lives of the apostles— kind of like from an outside perspective a little bit, like they were living their happy little fisherman lives. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and they have Mm -hmm. to give up everything. They have to leave their families. And most of the apostles, after Jesus died and then was resurrected and taken into heaven, they were still going from town to town. They were beaten, they were abused, they were outcasts, and most of them died horrific deaths. Mm Mm-hmm that sounds fun. (laughs) So I don't think God wants this fluffy, cushiony, easy breezy, glowing life. And if that is what you are expecting as being a follower of Christ,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you're going to be angry at God for not meeting those expectations. But He never promised that following Him would be easy. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is perfect. It is good. It is the only right and wonderful thing in this world.
1: But it's not easy. Yeah, exactly. So my husband and I were talking, um, I believe it was yesterday morning, and we were reading a devotional. And it was talking about how when we have struggles, a lot of times we'll put our eyes on either the serving or the blessing that's supposed to come on the other side of these trials,
0: Uh you
1: know, sometimes we're so, and I know I, this is exactly what I have done is that I've put my eyes on the God, what are you trying to do? What am I supposed to see instead of keeping my eyes on him and Mm -hmm. just letting like, he's not going to let me miss it. I think I've been so afraid that I'm going to miss what he's trying to show me that I've gotten my eyes off of him and put it on the, what he's trying to do. And that's also wrong because my eyes need to be fixed on him and he's not going to let me miss what he's Mm -hmm. trying to show me because he's Mm -hmm. doing this for a reason and he's going to work everything out for good. And I don't mean that he's going to work everything out perfectly. Like we were just talking about, it doesn't mean when I say that he's going to work everything out for good, that doesn't mean that I'm now going to expect chemo treatments to go perfectly. I'm not going to have very bad reactions anymore. It doesn't mean that my hair's going to come back amazingly beautiful. And yes, I can believe those things. Yes, it's okay to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of me. But at the same time, it's accepting the fact that whatever he has planned is going to be for our best good. It's going to be for the good of not just us, but for the whoever else it's going to touch. Mm-hmm in the process of all this, because it's never about just one thing. Whenever you're going through a trial, I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life, but it never has to do with just one aspect. Mm-hmm. It usually has dozens of others around it that it's affecting. Um, and God right. is working all of that out because he sees all of it and he sees all the moving parts. So he is actually working all of it out for good. Mm-hmm. And that's for the good of his kingdom. That's for, know, to, for him to get glory. As we're sitting here talking
0: I am reminded of a song called Even If by Mercy Me. And some of the lyrics, like the first time I heard this song, my face started leaking uncontrollably. And I I yes, I was crying. That's that's code for Courtney Cries, but I'm a cowgirl and cowgirls don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> um so the song had like the entire song is just incredible. But the chorus goes. I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow. I know the hurt would all go away. If you would just say the word, but even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. Mm -hmm. That is complete surrender right there. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm disappointed in my own circumstances, guys, I, I, I haven't talked to Jen about this, but like when she shares her story with me, I get so angry that this is happening to her. This is not fair, guys. This could not be happening to a sweeter, kinder person. And it stinks. But to be able to, to walk through that. And then, even when you're angry, go, God, oh, I still choose you. I still believe it is only that kind of firm foundation and tenacity that I think is going to get us through the seasons ahead because it has been that kind of tenacity that has gotten me through 2020. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, when last night I was, I was once again just begging God and just saying, Lord, I need you to silence. You know, I've had so many well-meaning people, so many, so many loving people who are reaching out to me through messages and, and phone calls and um, comments on social media and so many things. And I've, I've appreciated every single one of them. And last night I was just like, Lord, I just, I need you to silence all of it. And I need to hear your still small voice. I need to hear what you want to say to me. And, you know, you're asking me what my battle plan is for all of this. And that's something that I have gotten away from. It is making sure my quiet time has not.
0: It's non-negotiable. It's
1: non-negotiable. Yes. And that is something that I have not done well in, you know, things have been stirred up, you know, turned upside down. Um, my life is not the same now as it was four months ago, um, and I, I had a system, I had a, I had a plan, I had my you know, quiet time set in place, I had everything lined up the way I knew life worked, and things have been turned upside down. And now it's trying to say, okay, Lord, help me to make sure that this doesn't get budged, that this still stays in place, because this is so important and vital for my well-being. This is my secret sauce, I guess you could say, is that when I have that quiet time with God that's when He speaks to me. That's when I've silenced my children. I mean, not I've silenced my children, but my children are (laughs) sleeping, so they're silenced. (laughs) They're resting. My husband is sleeping. You know, all, all of my family is asleep. And to be honest with you, that's a lot of times when I hear God speak the most is when my whole house is quiet and I'm stayed up till whatever time it is, just desperately needing to hear from God. And that was last night. And last night I felt the need to pull my journal out that I started at the beginning of this cancer journey. And I was reading through, um, a part that I had written down that was talking about, I'd taken off the last bandaid from my biopsy and I was shaking and I was scared and I didn't know what my body was going to look like after surgery. I was terrified. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to look in the mirror and see myself without shaking. Why were you you so scared? Is it just the, the scars make you squeamish kind of? Very much so. I am, I'm very much a person that the scars, the, anything having to do with my body, it's just, it's very, it makes me very squeamish. It makes me shake my body. That's how my body reacts to things when I'm scared is that I, I start shaking. Um, I shake very violently. I shake very violently after every child is born. Um, I shake, shook very violently after my reaction with the chemo. And the only way to calm it is my husband will usually kind of like put pressure on me like he'll try to lay on me as best he can um in whatever position i'm at to kind of to calm my body kind of like a weighted blanket kind of thing so it, my it mom my used to do the
0: same thing for me my mom used to do that when i would get a really high fever and i would start shaking that's Aww. that's how she got the the shakes to stop i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah
1: <laughs> so that's what happens to me, you know, when I was thinking about the scars and everything and wondering if I could ever look at myself in the mirror without being scared and without shaking. Um, and it's funny because as I was reading that last night, I'm almost eight weeks post-surgery and now I can look at myself and I am, (laughs) and it's going to bring that song to my mind. I'm thankful for the scars. And without these scars, I would not have heard Jesus telling me to speak up. Um, And I know I've shared that story with you on the podcast before of how I couldn't seem to say it loud enough and strong enough. And I just, I kept hearing, just speak it louder, say louder, speak up, speak up. And I really felt like Jesus was telling me to speak up. And if I hadn't had those scars, I wouldn't have had that sweet moment with Jesus. Um, And so it's a reminder to me that yesterday, as I'm scared about chemo treatments, I'm scared about hormone treatments. I'm scared about what it's going to do to my mind. I'm frustrated with the fact that I can't seem to speak coherently. Um, I'm getting frustrated easily. You know, it's, I feel like anybody who has,
0: anybody who's been pumped with as much Benadryl as you have, like you've strung together some seriously coherent sentences this morning. So you're doing wonderful.
1: Well, that would be all God, not me. (laughs) Because you should have heard me this morning trying to talk to my family. (laughs) It wasn't coming out coherently. Um, but seriously, having worried, you know, being worried about this, with what it's going to do to my mind and and how this is going to affect me later on, it just reminded me that God's got this. You know, if, if all this happened before surgery and now I'm looking post-surgery and saying, wow, that is one of the most special moments in my life that I can look at and say, look what God did, then I can't. I now cannot wait to see what he's going to do post chemo and post hormone treatment. And as what he's going to do through all of this again, now more, just not looking at the, what he's going to do though. And looking at just, I'm excited, Lord, like, Lord, let me just, just hold me. Let me look at you while also still being able to say like a little kid, goody, goody. What are you about to do? Like, what, what what am I getting for Christmas?
0: (laughs) Well, that's something that nobody's said about chemo or cancer ever, <laughs> guys. Do y'all see what I'm talking about? Like, Dane, Jen. So, this is what I'm talking about when I wish I could. When I say I wish I could walk like Jen is walking through this, my my rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis that I got like a couple weeks after she got her cancer diagnosis. I've been all over the place. And unfortunately, every time I notice a new symptom, my reaction is not, oh yay, thank you, Lord, for my trials. <laughs> it is boo-hoo, why me? Wine, 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 wine. For example, um something I haven't had before that is fairly new is that now the bottoms of my feet hurt really badly. Um, it feels kind of like I'm walking on broken glass, like really sharp and crunchy and very painful. And I can avoid the pain by walking a certain way and whatnot. But that is like is about as classic a rheumatoid arthritis symptom as you can get. Um and and I'm not worried when I feel that symptom or I, I recognize that in the past, before the diagnosis, I would be like oh, oh oh dear, what is happening to me? I'm falling apart at the seams. But now I'm just like, okay, I know what's happening. That's fine. But here's the kicker. I am literally doing everything in my power to arrest the progression of this autoimmune disease that I'm struggling with. I am eating an excruciatingly clean diet. I am... I never miss taking my medications like I'm supposed to. I am moving my body enough, but not abusing my body like I used to. I am doing everything I am supposed to do. And with each new symptom, it feels like a blow. It feels like, <laughs> Courtney, if you just tried harder, you wouldn't be struggling with this. And that's not true. That mm-hmm. is the lie. Yeah. And and instead of being like, Jen, like, oh, yay,
1: I have trials. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm like this you is You know, that's not, not the fair. way that it's always been, you know, and that's 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 something that I I want to stress to everybody listening. This is my journey. Like this is what God has me going through right now and I know he's got me going through this for a reason. I'm not saying that this is the way that everybody is going to handle it because that is so not true. And this is not the way that I have handled many of the trials that I've been through in life. I have grieved and I have, I have whined and I have said, Lord, why me? This doesn't, this isn't fair. Um, I have had many of those moments and it really took a extreme amount of self-pity that I was disgusted with myself before. I now have this reaction. I'm not joking. Like I really was disgusted with myself um, because I have had so much self-pity and so much whining and why me? And this isn't fair. And I looked at myself and I could not stand what I saw. Yeah. And it was fi- that final, i had had enough of self-pity. There's another podcast episode, Courtney. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when I finally had enough of it, I was like god, I don't care what I have to do. I was I was all warrior woman after that because I was like I'm sick and tired and I'm not going to let the enemy do this to me anymore. Like this is enough. Mm-hmm. So it I'm Stomp not saying that foot down it, girl, seriously. And you know <laughs> I can't see you being like so whiny and self-pityish that I was where it, I was literally so disgusted with myself. I just don't I don't want anybody listening to be like condemned in any way that's that's not the point of any of this like I am not this pillar woman like that is not me like I I can fall so fast and I I've just I've had so many sweet moments with Jesus that it's just like it's and
0: while you've had those sweet moments with Jesus at the same time there have been moments where you felt like you were crumbling yes absolutely what, what I'm seeing on this side is an incredible tenacity to cling to Jesus, whereas that is something I want to mimic. I want to be more like that. I want to have that kind of tenacity that any time my feet hurt or any time my knee swells
1: up to <laughs> gigantic so proportions— it's, So it's like that, a muscle memory, you know? It's yes. It's like that, that It's something that you practice. Hurt. Yes. It's that, it's that one of those things that it's like the second that something happens, it's an immediate Jesus. Like that's it. It's a simple Jesus. You know, I think a lot of times we feel like we've got to have these amazing prayers or these amazing epiphanies. And yes, I said, I had an epiphany last night, but I mean, it's, (laughs) it's one of those things that it's, it's like a, it's hard at the beginning. It's, it's like that first marathon that you're doing. You feel like you're gonna die, or at least my husband so tells me. I've never done no, one. No, <laughs> it's true. The half marathon nearly killed me. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like the second one is a little easier, and the third one's a little easier. If I'm right, I think I'm right. I'm not sure, but it's like that. It's it's where you know at first something can be so painful. You know, you're going through physical therapy after after an accident, and you're you're trying to stretch those muscles. You're trying to get your your knee to to build its muscle back up. You're trying to get it to, to have mobility back. You know, it's the same thing. It's when you have that one storm, it doesn't matter how little, doesn't matter how big it comes in and it's an immediate eyes up, Jesus, hold me. And it doesn't mean that in the very next thought, you're not going to have a, oh, but this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, you know, it's not to say the very next thought's not going to be something completely out of the flesh. It's just a practice. It's a, tuning your eyes up and saying, Jesus, hold me, Jesus. It doesn't matter if it has to be every other minute, every other thought, pretty soon it's going to be a cry of your heart that that's all you want. That was good. (laughs) You know, I had this, I saw this verse last night. I was, I was sent a book in the mail that just was amazingly timely. And It was by Holly Girth and it was called um, Strong, Brave, Loved. And the verse in it said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, there's
0: something about Running, I, I've i heard that verse. I love that verse. But it took on new meaning to me when I started uh, training to run long distances.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Before, running was one of those things that I did for about 30-second stretches, and that was it. But there's this thing that happens when you start running mile after mile after mile where your body is screaming at you to mm-hmm. stop and the only thing keeping your body moving is is your desire to finish what you started and mm-hmm. and your brain your brain is what is got you gritted in and there's this this sensation of getting really locked in and laser focused that i had never experienced before before trying to force myself to run 10 Mm -hmm. miles in a row. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So running the race with endurance, it sounds good. And before when I read that verse, I thought, okay, it's a 10 minute thing. And then the race is over because that was my only experience with running races before that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's not, it is long and Mm -hmm. slow. Like it's not slow because you're running, but like, the time passes so slowly and the miles seem to stretch out before you, but you just grit down and
1: keep running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I love how it was talking about, you have to strip off that weight. You know, when you're care, when you're running a marathon, you don't want a lot of weight on you. The more weight you've got, the harder it is to take that one step in front of another. Mm -hmm. And when you're having, when you're, thinking about it in your, in our life's journey, our life's marathon, you know, you've got to strip off the self-pity. You've got to strip off the bitterness. You've got to strip off the unforgiveness. You've got to strip off those things that are weighing you down because you can't, it's hard to keep your eyes up when your, your focus is still internal. When you've got self-pity yes. and when you've got unforgiveness and when you've got bitterness, that's sitting inside of your heart, it's harder to keep your eyes up. Mm-hmm. It's harder to
0: chase Jesus and run after Jesus when you are carrying those weights. Yes, And and goodness, unforgiveness is something that if y'all haven't noticed, I'm kind of a fiery sort of person. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) really? (laughs) What? (laughs) And so with that spit fiery kind of personality, unforgiveness is something I struggle with. I will forgive someone. And then two minutes later, it's like everything they did to me, I remember, and I'm angry again, so it's a practice of forgiving, forgiving, oh, I put mm-hmm. that weight down, whoops, I picked it back up again, mm-hmm. okay, okay, dang dang it, okay, I'm gonna put it down, but I'm mad again, oh wait, i'm gonna put it down and and over time, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. the practice of knee-jerking, forgiving over and over and over again mm-hmm. has become easier for me, even though
1: it is not in my nature. Yeah, exactly. I really loved this verse that I read last night too. It's in my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I feel like that it does kind of tie in right there into you know what we were just talking about, because you know, our flesh and our heart is gonna fail. Um, we are humans. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to turn right around and pick that unforgiveness right back up. We are going to turn around and pick up that unself or that self-pity or that bitterness. But it says that God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Like he's exactly what we need. You know, when you mm-hmm. think about a portion of food that you need each day to stay healthy and to stay strong, he's that portion. Like he gives you what he, what you need.
0: So I've talked a little bit about this before on the podcast. I'm not diagnosed with anxiety or anything, but I have what I would consider overreactions to small things at work where something will happen and there will be an overwhelming flood of anxiety. I will get clammy all over. The walls will start to spin. My heart will race and I can barely breathe. Mm -hmm. And, it's in those moments when I'm like, yep, I can't fix this. And it's usually a small thing and it's not that big a deal, but I, I just lose it. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, I go, God, I, 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 I died, I I, I died, I died, I can't do this. And I'm like, you will have to help me because mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. And He is my portion in those moments. I every single time he has done something that I knew I didn't do mm-hmm. and the situation was fixed. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. He really is our portion and he gives you what you need when you
1: need it. So what are some of those battle plans for you when you fall into a wave? How how do you look up? What is your initial reaction? We'd love to hear about that. Um, What are some verses that you've clung to? What are some songs that have been extra special to you? Um, My song lately has been Scars. And it's been, um, well, I have a lot, actually. (laughs) Got a (laughs) whole Spotify playlist. When the answer is no, your ways are higher than mine.
0: Yes, we seriously do want to know what some of the things you have found that have been helpful to you keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, even when the wave crashes into you and slams you and knocks you back on your backside. For Jen, it's her her unwavering, non-negotiable, quiet time. Honestly, for me, when I've just been knocked by a wave, I, I don't. In the moments when I've just been knocked by a wave, I don't necessarily feel like reading my Bible. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but when I've just been knocked upside the head, I, I just want to rest in worship. And to me, that looks like getting by myself and cranking the music and some of the songs that just feed my soul mm-hmm. when I'm really hurting are... Even if by mercy me, um, raise a hallelujah and joy by Ren Collective. Those are some of my favorites. Um, they're very happy. <laughs> some of them are, <laughs> but just to worship with abandon is is what helps me
1: the most. So, you know, I think that's a lie. Sometimes that we we like to believe is that you have to be in your Bible a certain amount of day of time. You have to read a chapter a day. You have to read your Bible through in a year. Um, you know, and I think that's a lot of times that actually stops us from having a true relationship with Jesus because it's a have to not a get to. Um, I feel like a lot of times really what we need is silence. We need to silence everything. Or like you said, it's it's worshiping. It's what is it that's going to turn your heart straight to him? He's not going to want you to do something that's going to that's turn your heart away from him. He's not going to want to do—he doesn't add things right. to you to, to cause weight. Like, he's taking the weight off. So sometimes that—and yes, there are times to sit and read your Bible. And I don't mean that it's not okay to read your Bible. I mean, right. there, there, there's, there's a time this and a place. Balancing, There's this balancing of discipline
0: and relationship. Yes. I know that there have been times when, because I'm forcing myself to be disciplined and get into the Word, God really does speak to me. Mm -hmm. And then there's also times when I am forcing myself to be disciplined and get through those five chapters of the Bible that Mm -hmm. I maybe read them faster Mm -hmm. (laughs) than I would have if I were really trying to sit there and savor because Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to hurry up and get Mm -hmm. through the five. Five chapters, so I may miss things, and that's all yeah. my heart. So, anyway, that was that. kind of a
1: little side snippet there for you at the end, but <laughs> bonus.
0: <laughs> a Courtney bonus. Uh-huh. All right, guys, we know that 2020 has been one for the record books, maybe not in such a great way, maybe in the best of ways. We would love to know. So please feel free to contact us at enoughpod over on Instagram. Or by email at enoughpodladies at gmail.com. And remember, when you have just been hit by a wave
1: and you don't feel like you're enough. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he says you're enough.